What's up, lady ballers? Welcome back. We're soccer props, and it's game time. All right, lady ballers. Mm-hmm. We're in the Bleacher Report building. Oh, we're in the Bleacher Report building. I like that. In the building. I like it too. <laughs> it's beautiful. Such amazing mics. Oh yeah. So today we're talking with um, Allie Riley. She's incredible. I feel like I learned so much. I I thought I knew like a little bit about her. No, I didn't. But even I didn't know have all the like from her start in high school to college mm-hmm. to while being in college, playing on a national team. It's just like. Yeah. She's amazing. She literally was one of the first people to train with Beast Mode Soccer, which is, like, wild. Um, yeah, she's an original. She's yeah. an OG. I, what I thought was so cool was that she played for the New Zealand national team. So she didn't play for the U.S., but she was able to get so much exposure and experience playing in so many World Cups yeah. just by going overseas and playing for it's another crazy. team. So I thought that was incredible. And she's just so genuine and motivational. Like, we're, we were sitting here listening to her, and, like, it just— She's so passionate about soccer. and Yeah, yeah she's the definition of a yes person. And I feel like if you guys are going to learn anything today, it's to, like, have an open mind to new opportunities, yeah. new positions, new everything, because she really took advantage of it all. Yeah. It's awesome. All right. Yeah. Enjoy, guys. Hi, Allie. Hi. Is it working? It's yes. Working. It's working. You're with Carly, ahead, Shannon, and Alana. Hi, guys. How you doing? I'm good. Well, kind of stressed stressed at the moment, packing up my whole life, but Ooh. it's going. So do you want to tell us what's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. You just tell me what to do. Okay. Well, what <laughs> time is it? You're in Germany right now, right? Yes. It's 7.45. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. Did you eat dinner yet? <laughs> I did. Well, I'm trying to use up everything in my apartment, so I just had some sweet potato and then, like, eggs and flour, so I just made... Sweet potato pancakes. Mm-hmm. That sounds so good right now. It does. Just <laughs> <laughs> for dinner, it never fails. Um, so, yeah, so you're packing up. So can you tell us um, where you're off to? Yeah, well, this is so crazy because, like, I haven't even told my team, but um, I'm going to go to Orlando. So I'm coming back to the U.S., which is crazy. This That's is so exciting. exciting, yeah. Wow. So you're going to be playing for the Pride? Yeah. Wow, that's well, awesome. Well, hopefully if everything goes through, it's still still waiting for the papers and nothing's confirmed. And, yeah, so, like, everything is confidential and haven't been able to, like, talk about it. And, obviously, until things are signed, it's, you know, it's right. never a done deal until it's done. So. That yeah. sounds stressful. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's yeah. hard when you especially can't, you, when you can't tell your teammates and everything. I feel like most lady yeah, ballers don't see that side of things. Yeah, it's really, I mean, this is now the second time that I'm transferring and it's, it's not easy just because there's so many logistics involved and it's so important that before everything is finalized that, you know, information doesn't come out. And I mean, so many things can, can happen. And mm-hmm. right now the team is in Doha. So it's like even weirder because I had to stay. So I'm mm-hmm. just in Munich by myself oh. <laughs> the team left yesterday and they're in a, the pre like a training camp in doha so yeah oh wow it's very weird well th- this is a really exciting time for you we're really happy for you and we'll make sure obviously that this podcast doesn't go out until you give us the a-okay um cool but so we're so pumped to have you because you are 
super experienced and you're an, an amazing professional player. You've played on the, you're playing on the New Zealand national team. Like, can you just tell us where, like your journey, where did you start? Where'd you play in college and then continue on from there? Yeah. So my football journey is pretty unusual. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I was born and raised in Los Angeles and, and played club in high school. And, um, there was a girl at my high school who got into Stanford. And once I heard about Stanford, that was just my dream was to go to Stanford. So that was when I was a freshman. So I got really into soccer, but obviously there was no professional league and I just thought it would be really cool to play in college. And I was on a really good high school team and a lot of the girls were getting scholarships to go to these really great division one schools. And that just seemed really cool. Never involved in any ODP, any youth national team for the U S. Wow. But my dad is from New Zealand. So he read somewhere that the New Zealand national team was starting to invest in their women's side. So the women hadn't been in a world cup since 1991. That was the first kind of only. And then Australia qualified from Oceania after that. So with the under 20 world cup starting uh, for women um, in Russia, 2006, New Zealand invested in a 20 team. So it was kind of finding these young Kiwi girls and putting together a team. And then obviously the next year would be this chance to qualify for the 2007 Women's World Cup in China. Because Australia had left Oceania to go to the Asian Confederation, there was now this big chance to take that one spot. So my dad just read all this online, I guess, and <laughs> emailed the coach and um, I sent over, you know, at that time there was no like YouTube links sent. I think we sent a DVD and like kind of, you know, the same that I was sending to colleges and didn't hear back. He didn't even tell me. So we didn't hear oh. back or anything. Oh, I had no my idea. Gosh. Yeah, this is, I have one of those dads. I love and, it. Uh, and then around the same time I, I got into Stanford and that was kind of, you know, the big thing and the focus. And then I got invited to try out for the national team. So John Hurtman, who now is the Canadian men's coach after being the Canadian women's coach, after being the New Zealand women's coach, he was hired as the under 20 coach. So he was kind of going through all these emails, I guess, and saw this email. So they said, you try out, went to Australia, loved the girls, loved being in Australia um, just felt like I had found this new family and I'm an only child. So every team I go on, I'm like, Oh, this is a big family. and I love it. And it was just a whole new experience. And yeah, suddenly kind of, yeah, it felt like the football world opened up so much to now play internationally. And, so, you know, we, we qualified for the under 20 world cup and the summer before going to Stanford played in the under 20 world cup. And, you know, that the U.S. was there, and I met Kelly when we did this camp before our freshman year. And so, you know, we hung out a little bit in Russia, and the U.S. team, you know, was very aware that there was an American playing on the under-20 team. But after the under-20 World Cup in, you know, my freshman year at Stanford, there was no kind of interest from the U.S. team. And because the now full national team was full speed ahead because of this upcoming Women's World Cup, 
I was invited to play for the full national team. And, you know, I get asked the question so many times, like, you know, do I regret playing for New Zealand or making that choice? Like, it's not a choice. If you have the opportunity to play for a national team and to go to World Cup. And, yeah, you got to You know, take I didn't that. have the opportunity yeah. to, to play for the U.S. at that time. So, of course, um, I went ahead and between my freshman and sophomore years played in the World Cup and then between my sophomore and junior year played in the Olympics. And, you know, it wasn't really until starting to play professionally, getting drafted into the WS 10 years ago, that there was this whole kind of, oh, why isn't she playing for the U.S.? And, you know, there weren't that many fullbacks playing kind of an attacking style at that time. I think now we see it very, yeah, everywhere, which which is great. But um, it wasn't really then until all the, the questions and interests started coming. And, you know, by then, I was, of course, my heart is, is fully with the New Zealand team. And now, you know, four World Cups later, um, it's been <laughs> an incredible ride. And I think that's also given me kind of the courage to, to play abroad and to leave when the WPS folded to, to go over to Sweden six and a half years and then got the opportunity to, to play Chelsea and then now Bayern Munich. And I think, yeah, it's been crazy. And I'm so glad there's so many more opportunities for girls and women now to play all over the world. But, you know, 10 years ago, it was kind of a different story. So, I don't know. I was a little bit hesitant to go back to the U.S. after what I had gone through with my team folding and then the league folding. But mm-hmm. I'm so impressed with how much the sport has grown. I think the World Cup last year was a huge testament to the, you know, how much growth and and development and and you know, there are amazing players and teams and leagues all over the world now. And yeah, I think I've experienced three of the best, and now I think it's going to be amazing to go back to my home and. Mm-hmm play with against and in front of my friends and family that is a crazy wow. story like as a as a high schooler going into college were you overwhelmed by all of that because that is like an incredible amount of opportunity yeah. like all thrown at you all mm-hmm. at once were you nervous like did you yeah. have just a ton of confidence that no other high school oh girl my has God. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't even like like saying my yeah. like favorite thing in front of my class yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine going to another country and playing on their national team yeah, you know, I think I still can't believe I got on a plane and flew to Australia where I was about to meet 20-some girls that I had never even seen before. Like, I don't I don't know. I think I just loved soccer so much. Mm-hmm. And I got into the school of my dreams, and this just felt like, you know, a bonus opportunity. And actually, now that I'm thinking back on it, I mean, it was very much – Dave Copeland Smith, you know, who founded Beast Mode Soccer, and I was one of the first players that he was training. He was the the GV coach uh, at my high school, funnily enough. <laughs> so, you know, I was training with him because I wanted to. You know, I was not a top recruit. I was, you know, barely got one of the last spots to go into that uh, freshman class. You know, I mean, if you're looking at the types of players recruiting, even then, I think cause Stanford hadn't into a final four um but still you know kelly O'Hara was going and um you still had rachel bueller nicole barnhart i mean big big names and out of my recruited class you know i was definitely a nobody and i just how cool would that be 
to go there and, and start a few games, you know? So Dave really, really worked me hard. I hated his guts. I thought he was so annoying, but he really worked me out. I still think, I think that's a Dave. common first impression. For <laughs> yeah, he is so pretty annoying. He's, He's going to listen. He's going to kill love you, Dave. <laughs> that's so funny. But, no, I mean, he, he turned out to be like a brother to me and – no one at that time, I mean, maybe there was still the case in the Garas, the Tobin Heath, but they were like, you know, something so special. And, and you had obviously Marta still making her name at that time in Europe, but no one, you know, you couldn't see games or anything at that time. So to have someone like working with me on my technical skills, which I, I had none, you know, I didn't know how to curl a ball. I didn't know how to drive a ball. I basically was told to kick it and run my crosses, I basically was just toe bombing it into the box. And surprisingly, I, you know, was able to get to the <laughs> point I did, but it was mostly speed athleticism mm-hmm. um, and, you know, being able to use both feet. So I think for him to start teaching me these skills, um, when I think now to what L is doing and, you know, Becca Moros with the footy board, and there's such a big emphasis on technical skill, you see the the way the U.S. plays now as opposed to them then, which was so much more direct. You see a lot of teams playing such a different style, and it's because players now have so much more technical ability than 20 years ago mm-hmm. when, when I was training. So I think started to work with him and was feeling confident about going in, and I had nothing to lose, really, you know, going to Stanford, and I guess I just figured I might as well – try out for this New Zealand team and then when I liked the girls so much I was like yeah I'll go to Samoa and go to the qualifiers <laughs> yeah sure I'll go to Russia and play in this world I, you know I was just kind of so you're a yes person yeah she had such a good attitude <laughs> it, it gave you all these yes. opportunities that you that you've have and also shout out to your dad for sending an email to, <laughs> to the you're national sweet. team for you but I just know if we I, <laughs> sorry, sorry. If you just rewind for a second, I just so you're telling me that when you were in high school, you didn't have technical skills until you met Dave. So so you were more like a fast, aggressive player. I feel like that was I, a lot of people. Yeah. Us, though kick and run was like what we grew up yeah. learning. And yeah. like then our coaches, as we got older, were like trying to mimic like European teams. Right. Yeah. And well, the point countries. I was trying to get is like. Lady ballers sometimes think that that's who they are as a player, but you're, there's so much room to improve when you put the time and effort into it. Like you, like Ali, you, your game probably changed so much when you started working with Dave, right? Because he brought so much, so much of a different part of the game, of technical skills and and all of that stuff that you did with him, um, probably helped you so much, right? Yeah, and this is something that I try to tell players and I think it's I love sharing my story because I mean don't get me wrong it's a lot harder to to learn new skills now um and I still because I started so late learning these things I mean I was 17 um it's definitely been harder for me but I think if you put in that that extra work and it is going to be extra because you have your high school training you have your club training I definitely encourage young girls to play lots of sports and do, you know, whatever you love. It doesn't have to be one. I was doing track. I was playing volleyball. I was on the JV tennis team in high school. Um, and so my days, let alone trying to get days so I could get into Stanford. So like my days were so packed, but I wanted to be the best. I wanted to get 
there. I wanted to have these opportunities. And I think, so I came to school early and worked out with Dave, showered, then went to class. And then after class, Damn. went out on the field and trained with him before my soccer training. You are the real I, deal. That's yeah. what it takes. You're, you're tiring, me. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I feel like your mentality is what, it's the difference maker between somebody who plays in the high school level and doesn't kind play past it. it. Yeah, yeah, like you... You show you. It's it just through your actions. You see how passionate you are for the game and, and were for the game, and I think that's so incredible. I have a question: Were you ever nervous throughout this whole process, or did, did you have just like that "I have nothing to lose" kind of attitude? Um, I mean, I was definitely nervous going going into college, but it was so crazy. I mean, I missed the whole preseason because I was at the under 20 world cup. And then I missed the whole next preseason because I was at the world cup. And then the next one. So my wow. first college preseason was going into my senior year. And wow. at that time That's... you're not very nervous anymore. I don't know. That's if that makes true. You lucky or <laughs> well, cause you played yeah. in, in front of so many people already. So it's like, this How, was yeah. nothing. How were your teammates with that in yeah. college? Were they like, just like respected that you were going yeah, and doing um, that? Were they kind of jealous? Were they like, oh, she missed the preseason? I think, gosh, I I don't even know. <laughs> I think I think the other freshmen thought I was really lucky to miss kind of the initiation type activities, you know, where you have to stand up like you're saying and, and introduce yourself mm-hmm. or, you know, do a dance or sing a song, that kind of thing. <laughs> I got to wait until, you know, or I let's be honest, I didn't really end up having to do those things because <laughs> I was 22 by the time I had to have, have a preseason. But I think, yeah, I guess playing at the Under-20 World Cup was, was an amazing experience. And I think when you get a taste of international football, you just want more. Mm-hmm. And and the crowds and, again, playing for New Zealand, like we had nothing to lose. There's no pressure on us. And I think it was it's kind of that balance that, going then being at Stanford where it's like well not necessarily my first year but eventually creating this culture where we were doing so well you know we wanted to win the Pac-10 as it was back then and and pretty much win every game the competition on the team was so so ruthless and then having that balanced with kind of this New Zealand team where there's no expectations of us and we do still qualify for these major tournaments Mm -hmm. relatively easily um, compared to every other team. So I think it's a really interesting balance in terms of my career and and the different atmospheres. And, but I think because of my parents and uh, the way I was, was raised, I think I, yeah, I'm just really self-motivated and I always want to do my best kind of regardless of what's, what's at stake and what's on the line. And, um, yeah, and I think Dave also, like, it's not just the technical side. It's also your mental strength. And I definitely was afraid of making mistakes. And when I went from forward to defender, like, when I would go forward and, and take people on, I was always worried that if I made a mistake, the, a team would score. on. So, you know, there's, there's definitely a huge development through through the last, you know, however many years in terms of my style and my growth mentally and my strength and and my mentality because nothing comes at once and this is you know years and years of years of of doing those extra trainings of every off season doing beast mode soccer and even during season and working with a psychologist I mean all this it's easy to look back now and those first few years of course I was just young and kind of like I don't know what I'm doing but 
definitely when when the pressure was on playing professionally and going to Europe Champions League, it's taken a lot of, again, how we're saying, a lot of extra work and dedication to try to refine those skills, not just on the field, but also the mental side of it. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of bouncing. like So much. Yeah. I can't even get over this story. This is wild. Yeah. I do like <laughs> that you brought attention to seeing a psychologist because a lot of people – you know, like are kind of afraid to go reach out to to get that mental support. But that is a huge part of your game. Like you were saying, like the mental toughness, it's something I wish that I really worked on in college. I always talk about it, but I think I would have been a a better player if I was more positive and believed in myself more. But I didn't reach out to people for that extra help, you know? So I think that's awesome. And I think it's a lesson learned. Like lady ballers, do not be afraid to go and reach out for external help in that area. Yeah, and I think the first person you might meet with, whether it's from your college or a counselor or through your national team, you might not like the experience, but it could be just that it's the wrong psychologist. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... Gotta I've, shop around. You know, <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I've met with, through all the different teams and, and different opportunities, uh, many, many different types of sports psychologists and I've been lucky that I've had a great experience with all of them but they've all taught me different things and I think yeah a lot of it is just getting to know yourself and acknowledging things that you might not be good at and that's scary I think it's scary with things on the field as well when a coach tells you like look, you're not good at this, or I need you to do this better. And and it's the same thinking of the mental side. But I'm at the point now, I think there's a lot of emphasis now more on nutrition, on sleep. Um, And I think sports psychology is so important. And it's one of those things, you know, in the New Zealand team, we don't have a huge budget, which is no secret. And you know, when you're thinking about the kind of staff you want to bring to to a major tournament, it's like, okay, well, obviously you need a doctor, you need a physio, but I think now more teams are pushing, we need a sports psychologist with us or a mental coach or, you know, whatever you want to call it, a cultural uh, counselor. And that side is, I think, equally as important because physical health and mental health go hand in hand. 100%. I was actually going to ask you if the professional teams actually support you guys further with people like that. And I think it's just so awesome to hear that that's a priority. Um, so I'm just so curious, like what, what would be advice to a lady baller who wants to play at the next level, like leaving high school, playing into college or even playing professionally? Because I feel like we've spoken to a uh, Goody Stanton or Nikki Stanton about this, but there's like gray area, like w- players don't really know what the next step is. Who do they talk to? What do they do? Um, to play professionally. So I don't know if you have any advice for our lady ballers there. Well, I would say coming out of high school, that's that's going to be hard. I think, obviously, depending on what club team and high school team you play for and all the recruiting. I mean, for me, it's really, really important to obviously visit a school. And that's when you're then taking it even further and talking about playing professionally, that's really hard because the team in Europe wants you, you get maybe a phone off of an apartment and you hear a little bit about what the uh, training is like, but you are going in blind. And I think it's easier in college to go and visit the schools and that's kind of a normal practice. Um, but I guess for me, and I was having a conversation with Ella Mather about this, 
talk to someone on the team, whether it's a college team, whether it's a professional team, know what you're getting into. Um, <laughs> we talked about agents and being promised things, and that's a whole com- another complicated world. But I would say, like, we as female footballers, we have to stick together and we have to empower each other and help each other. And for me, you know, I see players from New Zealand, from Europe, going to colleges, not knowing kind of what the level is like, what the coach is like. And then, you know, you talk about the freshman 15 and all these things, but those are kind of real worries. And you go somewhere and the culture is completely different and you're suddenly on your own without your parents. And maybe the coach doesn't play the style that your national team coach wants you to play. I mean, these are such big concerns for a lot of players. And I think talking to players who are already on the team whether it's college or professional, is so, so important. Reaching out to, yeah, I mean, even if it's someone who plays in the league or, again, this is on the, talking about the professional side, but um, I think just asking as many questions as possible and you will get the answers. Again, you can ask the college coach or ask the club coach, and if they're not going to take the time to answer your questions, then I don't think they're really invested in you and they're really interested in you. Mm-hmm. And then that being said, I think everyone makes mistakes. We go to colleges we don't like or we don't get to play. We go to club teams where we don't play or we don't like the environment. And you can't. it's such a fine balance between giving up and, you know, sticking it out and being unhappy. So I think – you shouldn't be afraid if you are unhappy and you have another opportunity to make a move and to transfer, whether it's college or club. And I think, again, it's just about asking questions, knowing yourself. Um, and, yeah, I think you just have to be brave. And But being informed is really, really important. Yeah. That's a great piece of advice, yeah. I guess, because you're not going to get a more honest answer from anyone besides the girls actually mm-hmm. playing on the yeah. team. Like a, a coach will make yeah. want to make a program look a certain way, but the coach is also not experiencing it from yeah. a player's perspective and the <laughs> yeah. frustrations of a player. And I think, like, like you said, you can kind of get the hint if the coach isn't giving you, you know, great responses or even responding at all probably means he doesn't want you that yeah. bad. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's funny. We just did a whole um, podcast on, on that, like, when do you figure out whether like that club team or that college is right for you or do you look somewhere else? So it's interesting that you just brought that up mm-hmm. too. Um, I do want to touch on, so you did play defender, you did play forward. How was that? Because a lot of lady ballers who listen are in one position and end up having to switch or want to switch. Or they're scared to switch. Or they're scared to switch. Um, what piece of advice would you give them? Carly had to be our goalie in our last video. That was pretty uh, stressful. That was pretty traumatizing. <laughs> um, so it's kind of interesting. So when I was younger, I think one of the things that really helped me was the flexibility to play more positions. So I think that's if we go all the way back to the beginning, I think that's really important of course you want to hone your skills. Say you want to be a 10 or whatever and be good at dribbling, but why shouldn't the center back also be good at dribbling? You know, why mm-hmm. fullbacks need to be super fit, run up and down the line, but why shouldn't a forward also be that fit? Because the few times in the game, you do have to run all the way home and help your team. So for me, I mean, we talk about being well-rounded and again, we're talking about kind of technical ability and we have these amazing athletes, especially in the U.S., Um, who then need to work on their technical skill. But I see a lot of times in Europe, you have players with like 
these technical skills who then don't think I need to be more athletic because everyone's trying to be more technical. Mm -hmm. No, those players need to get fit and need to get fast. So I guess, yeah, for me, from the beginning, I think it's important to try to be good at everything. Um, Obviously, that's kind of a big ask. But then moving forward, I think, um, you know, it's, it's way more glamorous to be an attacker. I will say that. Um, and my first two years playing playing winger um, at Stanford, and then, you know, Kristen Press came, so it was me, Kristen, and Kelly, and then Lindsay Taylor came, and we're getting these these girls, you know, these better and better done. And then Paul was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to promote you to fullback. Just, just see how it goes, you know? And it was... For me, I loved it, and I was open-minded, and again, it was like, we don't have any left footers. You need to learn how to use your left foot better. So I think for me, I wanted to play, and the coach seeing something in me that could fit in another position, I think that's flattering. I think it's yeah. an honor. Like, of course, you might be really, no, I'm a 10, no, I'm a center back, no, I'm this, no, I'm that, but don't you want to play? Don't you want to help the team in any way possible? Again, I think where this gets complicated is if your national team expects you and needs you in a certain position and at your college or at your club, you're at risk of kind of, yeah, they want you to be honing that skill every single day. But again, I think, yeah, if you have the right skills and the right mentality and put in a little extra work, like say I'm, you know, play on the right for my club, but I am left back for New Zealand. Okay, I'll do some left footed crosses, but in training I should be using both foot feet every day yeah. anyways. It's just an so opportunity to I work on weaknesses. <laughs> exactly. And if you're good at everything, then it shouldn't be an issue if, mm. you know, for eight months of the year you're playing in one position, but one time every month when you're going with your national team you play somewhere. I think we see it a lot and players doing it successfully. So mm-hmm. I think there, you shouldn't be afraid to, to set, step into a new position and also say you do it so well for your club, that then your national team or whatever, they're like, Oh no, we see you more as this now, I think. And that happens too. So yeah, I think, but it does come a lot from the beginning. I would say to a young player, just try to be as well-rounded as possible because it's only going to give you more opportunities. Cause imagine if you really are just a number nine and then if a new recruit or a club signs a, a Sam Kerr or whatever. I mean, then if you can't play anywhere else, your ass is going to be on the bench. So mm-hmm. you might as well have those other skills that the coach says, no, I think I can throw you out on the left. And I think you being open-minded, because um, I think a lot of people yeah. would say, why does it, why, she's, why do you think she's better than me? And why do I have to end up playing here? But like you said, the coach sees something in you. So mm-hmm. go with it, be open-minded and have that mentality. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be the difference. I was going to say, too, and just being coachable, mm-hmm. you know, because your coach, like you've probably experienced, Allie, I've personally experienced, too, where your coach, if they tell you, you know, you need to improve in these areas, you have to be coachable because you're going to end up being able to be versatile on the field. And that's like so important, as you're saying. So I think that's a great piece of advice. Did you guys ever notice when Thank the you. defenders would play against the forwards in practice, the defenders were so good? Yeah. At, you know, I don't know why, but but on our team, the defenders enjoyed, like you were saying, like they enjoyed oh, getting to be offense. Yeah, getting to play offense, right? <laughs> I don't know. I've, I should have been more coachable yeah. and, and defended yeah. more, maybe. I was going to say, I feel like we are. Yeah, we we're... love it. When it's shooting, everyone's like, oh, <laughs> It's funny because I feel like, and we get this feeling from a lot of people writing in too, like everyone resists that sort of change. Like they get so stubborn and stuck in the way, but 
the, I've never heard anyone say, like you said, take it as a form of flattery. Like you should be flattered that he can see you playing more than one position mm-hmm. and that he doesn't just see you as this one-dimensional player. So that's really, really great advice that I feel like a lot of people uh, can relate to as well. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sorry, but if you're a forward and you are going to have to – I think everyone loves to go from the back to the front, but that's a very unusual uh, change. <laughs> from the front, getting moved to the back. And, yes, you have to defend more, but I'm sorry if you – there's no player on the field that that shouldn't be defending. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, it's so you have true. Some, yeah, and you have these, you know, once, once in a generation, maybe twice, you have this – you, you have someone that's so special that you're like, okay, fine. You do these crazy attacks, and then, yes, you can walk back. <laughs> but I, you see it in the men's game, but you had someone like Marta. She would sprint back. Anya Mittog, yeah. sprinting back, fly tackling. And there's no player that is above defending, in my opinion. Yes. And it's only yeah. going to make you better if you are that player that can do that. So, again, I think that's usually the biggest concern is, shoot, I have to defend more or run more. But, again, from the beginning, you should be able to do those things anyway. And what what coach is going to get mad at you for, like, being an attacker defending more, right? Rarely will they be like, you were defending too much. It's just a sign of laziness, too. Like, I remember getting caught, you know, Mm -hmm. just just not not sprinting back at moments. And and I would be like, wow, I am so lazy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm putting so much pressure on my teammates. (laughs) My teammates are picking up (laughs) for the slack. But, yeah. It does happen, but it is a lesson learned. Like, you guys just work so hard when you're on the field because you don't know how, how long you'll be on the field. Sure. you got to give it your all. Yeah. I d- um, did you watch soccer growing up, like, when you were a kid? Like, I wish I watched more mm-hmm. now. Um, I think, again, I had no—it wasn't until my freshman year at, at, at in high school that I was like, oh, I want to play in college. Mm-hmm. So I had no kind of—yeah, when— the 99 World Cup when I was, you know, 12 years old, 11 years old, I was like, oh, my God, I want to play. I want to be Mia Ham. But it was not a, a real tangible dream. You know, I didn't – I don't know. I At school, I did a thing where I was going to be an architect when I grew up. I was like, oh, I want to be Britney Spears. I don't know. I, like, <laughs> I had no kind of <laughs> – no real idea of what I wanted to do. It definitely wasn't soccer until, until my freshman year of high school. So – no, and my dad not being European or American. I mean, I wasn't watching soccer, football, mm-hmm. or American football. You know, it was um, – I did like the Lakers, of course, three teams. <laughs> that was my team. But, I, yeah, I think I wish now. And, again, I, I had no concept of, like, all those skills that soccer players could have because I just ran and was athletic and played tons of sports and – yeah, didn't even think about it, but I would definitely recommend it to players now, especially when you can watch women's soccer now. It's so much you easier can and accessible. Old English uh, league games for free on your phone. <laughs> like it doesn't get better than that. It's and so true. I think that league for me is is becoming the best league in the world in terms of the investment, the media attention, the level, um, and to be able to watch all every game on your phone for free like this is amazing yeah there's no excuses (laughs) exactly exactly um i wish it were more leagues but um i it's getting there but there is that one and it's good so i would say like if you want to have be inspired you want to learn from the best 
got to watch these games. I love it. Um, did you have a role model or a, like an idol you looked up to growing up? Besides Any athletes? Britney Spears. Besides Britney Spears, <laughs> <laughs> who's incredible on Instagram right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do love Britney. <laughs> She's um, so cute. You know, I... Obviously, again, Mia Hamm was was the first one, probably. And then when I learned about Michelle Aker's story, I think that was a little bit more me because I've never been the had the kind of ego it takes to score goals. Again, this is why I got promoted to fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that hardworking, that crazy mentality, everything she went through, and still playing these games at the highest level and um, yeah, again, like, I don't know. I, I really like any story where these athletes are com- overcoming obstacles. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when the the Williams sisters, when they first were getting into the media, you know, and it was they were always getting kind of, like, hammered. Serena, you know, didn't speak well on camera, and, and the way they played was so different. And then seeing what they have accomplished now, especially Serena, like, she – she was always um, an athlete that I really, really loved to watch. Um, but I, for me, it was probably more like my parents and they were athletes and my mom and they taught me kind of, yeah, the values um, that I find really important now. And I think, again, because I didn't watch soccer, I didn't really have that one player that I wanted to emulate so much. It was more just anyone who worked really hard and overcome obstacles and yeah that was it's kind of cool those were the personalities that that spoke Mm -hmm. to me and it's kind of cool that now younger lady ballers are going to want to emulate you on the field that's got to be a nice feeling right (laughs) yeah i don't know i don't know if they do but I'm sure they do. They do. (laughs) I do, and I don't even play anymore. (laughs) I remember playing with you uh, when Dave was training, and I was very intimidated (laughs) by um, by you and some of your teammates. That was um, you guys were like juggling the tennis balls like it was a piece of cake. (laughs) I would be happy with two touches. Um, I always need the ball to be flat so that I can (laughs) juggle it enough times. Yeah. Oh man. So so what's next for you? Uh, well, next look after soccer. Yeah, like what's what's going to happen in the next year or two? Like, what do you do? You have any goals that you want to achieve? Um, soccer life? Oh well. So I, I don't know. The last couple of seasons have been really, really tough. You know, I I went into Chelsea with with an injury. Um, once I came came back from that. Never broke into the starting lineup and was really frustrated. Really struggled to, yeah, to keep my positivity up and and keep my fitness up. Felt a lot of pressure going into the World Cup last year. Had this opportunity to come come to Germany. It's been very very challenging. I think, yeah, you hear a lot of stories about the culture here and uh, a lot of that's true. It's it's hard and I guess, but through all of these kind of some negative experiences, but also being pushed, pushed to the limit every single day, physically, emotionally, mentally. It's kind of like re-ignited this love for the game. I, I think it could have probably gone one of two ways, like totally quit. <laughs> I was going to say that could be enough to um, break or, someone. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. And trust me, I've, I've been close. But <laughs> I think I just there's there's the one side like I really want to achieve something with my national team. Um, we haven't won a game at a World Cup. Um, we haven't really consistently been that top 20, like, oh, I want to get us maybe into the top 15. Like, I just want to do something there that will create change uh, for women's sport in New Zealand. And that's one side of it. And then also, I guess I'm kind of like, if I've been through these really, really challenging experiences in these last couple of years and I'm still going that now hopefully going back home and seeing my family more and playing in a league I think that will suit my style more I think I mean I'm the fittest I've ever been in my life I'm definitely the strongest mentally I've ever been I think I just want to go for it I want to play in the next world cup next olympics after that I think it will be time but if you asked me a year ago, I would have said probably that 2020 Tokyo would be maybe my last hurrah with at least with the national team. But now I'm just like, I want to play as long as possible. And I mean, if I've gone through this and I'm still come out the other side, like I can do anything. Hey, you're still um, climbing. You still got more levels to reach. That's awesome. Yeah. You're not yeah, done yet. Yeah, yeah. That sounds incredible. You're really inspiring, honestly. I can feel it in your voice how much, how passionate you are about the game. And we just spoke about this in another podcast, but, like, lady ballers take note. Like, you can tell how much she loves the game and look at where it's brought her. And I love that your goals aren't just self-goals or just about you. It's about growing the sport and for all of the, you know, the female ballers in general and in New Zealand. That's pretty incredible. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I just... I mean, it's, this is the most amazing time in in our sport mm-hmm. ever, you know, and it's only going to get better. But to be able to experience this, and don't get me wrong, every day I'm fighting, it needs to be better. Like, this is, we, there's so much further to go. But, of course, I think about where it was when I first got drafted 10 years ago and, and the opportunities then, and like, oh, my God, the, the media, the attention, the the excitement around this last World Cup was, I mean, it was definitely different than mm-hmm. the other ones. And I mean, in three years, oh my gosh, I can, I can't, it's going to be even better, you know? So I think I feel really lucky that I am still playing at this time because I think a lot of players from my generation or maybe like a couple years older, they, they didn't quite, make the leap you know it felt like okay 30 yeah if things the game hasn't really taken next level you still can't make a lot of money playing like I want to start a family it's hard to have a family and play soccer again money um and now I'm we're at this time where you see players doing it in every country in every team and making the money and again I mean rumored to what Sam Kerr is making and these sponsorship deals that the U.S. players have making have made, and but I think yeah, it's just an incredible time. And I, especially going back to the U.S., I it's so much easier, of course, to connect with players in in my mother tongue. So while I was in Sweden and learned Swedish, it's still not quite the same. God knows what I'm saying to these children when I'm Swedish. <laughs> so I think I think to be able to have this opportunity now to kind of 
reiterate like how far the game has come, but also keep pushing it forward. The the U.S. is at the forefront of that, and then to be able to meet and inspire more young players and talk about my journey, which is definitely different than the other U.S. national team players, and just kind of show that you can live your dream and achieve your goals like through so many different ways, especially in 2020. Um, I'm just so excited, but yeah, I don't know. I am 32, so we'll see what happens, but you um, look so yeah, young. <laughs> You've also had more experiences than any 32 year old. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's so cool to hear that you feel the fittest and like the healthiest, yeah, yeah. right? Really because like inspiring. you, it's so inspiring. And I think you're, what you're doing is incredible. So keep up the great work. We love watching your, your journey. Um, and also, uh, do you want to mention you. your your cool podcast that you have? Yeah, tell us a little about it. Yeah, well, so, yeah, you guys are going to have to come on my podcast because I have talked way too much, and I need to ask you guys questions. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. Girls, girls, with the, girls with Balls, which I think is very fitting and, and connects it. a lot to to what you guys do, but probably, like, on a, on a more serious note, um, I think – yeah, it's been a really cool opportunity to to share the stories and give give my colleagues a platform to talk about everything they're doing. Um, I think most of us lady ballers are not able to just live from live off of our soccer, or we know that when we retire, what we've made during our playing career will not support us and our families for you know the rest of our lives unlike on the men's game. So I would say almost every player you meet in the professional game has school, work, yeah, a project, <laughs> a charity, something on the side, you know, and it is so inspirational. And again, it's another way to, to achieve goals, to inspire people. And I love sharing all these women's stories. So that's kind of my, and it takes a lot of balls. So I think that's kind of the, the theme but we we end up talking a lot about soccer girl props i i try to give you guys a shout out every time because uh -huh. it's oh, yes we we my life is just like one big soccer girl problem <laughs> so, i think it's just fun to share stories and the funny sides but also the serious sides um what a lot of us go through as professional female soccer players so that's one project that i try to find time to to do and to nourish and then of course i've got my food blog love to eat to love and sharing recipes i just have so many balls in the air and i yeah <laughs> love but it all that's part awesome. of the fun we'll that's link great. all those things so that you guys can can check both of those <laughs> things out because that the both of those sound like things i'm interested in <laughs> yeah we'll have to Thanks. check it out yeah, well, hopefully we'll be able to meet you know that was crazy running into you guys in Paris that was the last time and then randomly UCLA like five years before that <laughs> but maybe we'll be able to see each other more frequently and I can also share some of my recipes with you here we yes. go we'll have to uh do a YouTube video together so yes soccer food <laughs> props <laughs> yes. well, yeah when we saw you in France um at that uh World Cup event that was the first time because you mentioned kiwis earlier I didn't know what a kiwi was and then you were explaining the bird to us but it's funny when you said it earlier i googled it they're very funny looking animals they're adorable oh really Let and then see. the first thing that I popped know. up was do kiwis eat kiwis oh do <laughs> they, they don't. eat kiwis they don't eat kiwis oh, okay. they eat worms they oh. but that's the kiwi looking. Well, some, oh that's some adorable people, 
<laughs> I hope they're joking, but I have been asked, like, is the kiwi fruit, like, come from the kiwi bird? And that's disturbing. That is, yeah, that, that is, is pretty um, weird. It does, species. <laughs> it does look a little bit like it. <laughs> <laughs> Not well, a kiwi bird egg. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with us. Um, I feel like you've had such an incredible journey so far, and we're so excited to see your journey continue. Oh God, um, I can't and, wait to see what's next. Yeah, and hopefully we see you in the U.S. soon or maybe somewhere else. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> All right, Thank Allie. you, guys. Have Thank a good you one. So Thank much. you. Take care. Bye. You're awesome. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.